It is Tuesday, April 30th, and it's time for a new episode of Pink is the New Podcast, where I talk about all the fun pop culture, gossipy entertainment news from the past week. So let's get to it. A lot happened this week. Um, Got a lot of notes this week, so let's see if I can get through it all. The big news that happened uh, last Wednesday was that Britney Spears left the treatment center where she had been for the previous 30 days. So if you remember, uh, last month it was reported, uh, or people were wondering where Britney was. She had been like out of the limelight for weeks, no paparazzi photos. She didn't post anything on Instagram and people started wondering where she was. And then, uh, There was a video posted online, I'm sorry, on her Instagram, letting everybody know that she was okay and all of that good stuff, uh, which was great to see. And then um, last Wednesday, she uh, was released. Um, And the first thing, one of the first things she did is she posted a workout video on her Instagram, um, I guess as a sign to let people know that she's out and doing normal day-to-day things like working out. Um, so that was fun. Her Instagram is pretty much how we hear from her. So it was nice to see her posting again. Um, since that day, she's been photographed out and about, uh, on Thursday and Friday. Uh, on Thursday, she was, uh, by herself at a tanning salon, I believe. Um, and then on Friday, there was a cute picture that she posted, uh, or that was taken of her, um, with her sons. So that was cool. Um, since, since then though, um, David LaChapelle, the photographer who photographed her for Rolling Stone back in, uh, 1999, I want to say, uh, 98, 99, um, posted something on Instagram talking about, you know, how he was worried for her and how he's been worried from her, worried about her from the day that they work together and all of that. Uh, and some other video director who worked with her once or something. Um, I guess at the core of it, as always, I kind of want to believe that people have her best interest and they're just trying to be concerned, but it also seems, you know, pretty interesting that these people are coming out of the woodwork now to say what they want to say in, in, uh, the wake of all of these crazy social media hysterical rumors going around. So whatever. Uh, it ain't, it ain't a day unless people are talking about Brittany. And, uh, I'm just glad that, uh, we have her to talk about. Um, also on Wednesday, Madonna released the video for her new song, uh, Medellin. I, uh, incorrectly was pronouncing it Mendelin, uh, but it is Medellin. And, uh, the video is a Madonna video, um, Spanish vibes, Latino vibes, or should I say Latinx vibes. Uh, she's rocking her Madame X eye patch um, in the video, which I find uh, distracting. The jewel encrusted eye patch thing she's doing is a little distracting for me, but I have to say I prefer the eye patch over the grills that she was wearing. Um, so I'll take eye patches over grills any day. 
the production value on the video looked pretty decent. Looks like she spent a nice chunk of change. Um, storyline, I don't, I don't know if there's a storyline. She, she and Maluma are like, I guess, a couple. They are dancing together and then they get married or there's like a wedding party or something. You know, she's laying on him in bed and she's licking his toes. And honestly, that scene wasn't super sexy for me. Um, and that's not to say that I'm not down with that practice under the right circumstances. But I don't know that the the angle and the way that scene was shot was kind of like, oh, OK. Um, you know, so the video didn't make me love the song anymore. I mean, I already liked the song. Uh, the video's fine. I watched it a couple times. So, yeah, videos, are they still relevant? I don't know. I mean, I guess they are, but it's hard to get really super excited about videos, watching them on your phone or on uh, YouTube, on your computer, as opposed to when we used to watch them on TV, on MTV. But that's a whole digression that I'm not even going to get into. Um, Also on Wednesday, the Queen FK Twigs returned with a new single and a new video called Cellophane. Uh, In the video... uh, She's doing this sexy pole dance for the first half of the video, and that girl is all legs. Her 20 feet long legs are on full display, and she is looking amazing. Um, Then the second half of the video turns into like a Bjork music video with like weird animations and trippiness and so cool. Uh, the music is new, uh, is unique. Her music style is very unique. It's very much her, m- much like Bjork's sound is very much her. Um, a lot of vocalizations. Uh, so, you know, they're not necessarily like boppy pop songs, but uh, she's an amazing artist, amazing singer, amazing dancer, amazing writer. I've seen her live a couple of times. Fantastic. So I'm a fan. I'm glad she's back. I can't wait to hear more. On Wednesday as well, it was announced that there's going to be a movie adaptation of the Stephen King book Salem's Lot. And let me tell you, Salem's Lot is a horror story that uh, fucked me up as a kid. Uh, In the the late 70s, early 80s, I want to say late 70s, it was adapted as a miniseries on TV. And I saw it in reruns as a child as a very young child, and it scared the shit out of me. That movie, ugh, I, ugh, it's got, like, vampires, and, like, there's vampire kids, and there's these floating kids floating outside the window, scratching and saying, let me in, let me in, with, like, these glowing eyes. Man, ugh, I'm getting chills just talking about it, thinking about it again. My mother, I love her, but my mother was a huge fan of horror movies, and she kind of didn't really um, censor what I watched. She just let me watch what she watched. And I saw shit like The Exorcist, Salem's Lot, like really scary-ass stuff when I was little, and it really scared me. So Salem's Lot, I had a, a tree outside my window, my childhood window, and when the wind blew, the branches would scrape on the window, and I would think it was a vampire kid trying to get me. And I used to sleep with a crucifix near my bed so I could you know, use it in case, uh, a vampire came. Um, I got into the practice of wrapping a blanket around my neck, uh, because I figured if I had a blanket around my neck, it would take time for the vampire to take it off my neck to bite me. And that was like my first line of defense against vampires as a little kid. So needless to say, Salem's Lot affected me greatly. 
So I'm kind of excited, kind of terrified that this movie is going to be made because for the first time, Salem's Lot is going to be adapted uh, for the big screen. I mentioned that the first iteration after the book was a made-for-TV miniseries, which was again remade in uh, 2004 as a miniseries on TNT with Rob Lowe. Um, That one was pretty good, too. And watching that reminded me of how scary the original was, so I have no doubt that this new movie version will probably fuck me up as well. Um... The thing that some people don't know about Salem's Lot, or maybe you do, uh, there are two other short stories that Stephen King wrote um, that are based in Salem's Lot. So Salem's Lot, Jerusalem's Lot, I should say, is a fictional city in Maine that Stephen King writes about in the book, Salem's Lot, and two short stories. One is called Jerusalem's Lot. And one is called One for the Road. And both of those are vampire stories. They're fantastic. I highly recommend reading them all. Uh, Among my favorite Stephen King stories. So, yeah. Salem's Lot. Coming to a theater near you. Um, Don't forget to take your blanket to the movie theater to wrap your neck. Because you don't want any vampires uh, biting your neck. On Thursday... Uh, former Vice President Joe Biden announced that he is running for president. He formally, after months of teasing and weeks of speculation, he finally announced that he is going to run for president, which means we have another strong Democrat in the running for president. Um, personally, I'm Kamala Harris is my first choice. And she is who I'm rooting for and who I will be campaigning for. But I'm happy that there are many great Democratic um, uh, candidates running. And if Joe Biden got the nomination, I would vote for him. I would fight for him. I would campaign for him wholeheartedly. Uh, in his first day after he announced, he raised six mil- over $6 million, meaning he made more money in his first day than all of the other candidates did on their first days. So... Joe's in the race. Let's see how he does. Um, It was also announced on uh, Thursday that the Satanic Temple is now a tax-exempt church recognized by the U.S. government. Uh, So for the first time, a Satanic organization will enjoy tax-exempt status just like any other church or synagogue or mosque, uh, which is pretty cool, I want to say. It's great that, you know, I don't think any religions should be tax exempt, but if they're going to be, I think all religions should be tax exempt. Uh, So for those of you who may not know, uh, the Satanic Temple was founded in 2013 by Malcolm Jerry and Lucian Graves. Uh, They're the group that famously commissioned the Baphomet statue that, uh, that, the temple tried to get installed uh, in, I want to say, Oklahoma uh, or some southern states where they have the statues of the Ten Commandments on display for religious liberty reasons. They wanted, if they, the Satanic Temple argued, if you could put up the Ten Commandments, we could put up our Satanic statue. And uh, so they have been doing things like that. Um, that Baphomet statue was also kind of featured in The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Uh, it's like the centerpiece at the Academy of Unseen Arts, which is the magical dark high school that Sabrina goes to. And if I remember correctly, 
the statue was was recreated for the series without permission from the satanic temple i believe the satanic temple sued them and netflix capitulated and they reached a deal so uh satanic temple doing big things not to be confused with the church of satan by the way the church of satan is a different satanic organization uh that one was founded in 1966 by anton Levey and is the first satanic church ever um the Satanic Temple and the Church of Satan don't get along for whatever reasons. The Satanic Temple uh, was called Masquerading Satanists by LaVey. And uh, the Church of Satan has been accused of being author- authoritarian. Anyways, they don't like one another, but they both are Satan, Satanic. And there you go. So don't confuse one with the other. Just know for our purposes in this discussion the Satanic Temple is now a tax-exempt religious organization in the United States of America. Praise the Dark Lord. Uh, On Thursday, it was also reported that Prince will release a posthumous album called Originals. It will be released in June, and uh, it will feature, I believe, 15 songs that he wrote and recorded, but ended up giving away to other artists. So it's going to be a bunch of Prince songs that have previously been recorded and released by other people. Songs like Sex Shooter, which uh, I believe the Vanity Six recorded. Manic Monday, which the Bangles recorded. Glamorous Life, which Sheila E. recorded. And Nothing Compares to You, which Sinead O'Connor recorded. So all those songs and more are going to be released on an album called Originals by Prince in June. Uh... A sequel to A Clockwork Orange by Anthony Burgess was found in his archives titled The Clockwork Condition. Um, So in the wake of the film adaptation of A Clockwork Orange, which was directed by Stanley Kubrick, there was a whole bunch of uh, controversy about the violence in the film. And I guess Anthony Burgess felt some kind of responsibility that his, his art was being spoken about in this negative way. And he decided to write a response to the criticism. And it was called uh, The Clockwork Condition, but it was never released. And I don't believe it was even, people even knew it existed until it was found in the archives. So that book is coming, a sequel of sorts to A Clockwork Orange is coming later this year. Um, On Thursday night, I went to one of the early screenings of Avengers Endgame. And because some of you probably haven't seen Endgame yet, I'm not going to talk too much about it. I'm not going to spoil it in this podcast, but I will record a bonus podcast that I will release this week that will uh, be all kinds of spoilery. And I'll talk about all kinds of plot points about Avengers Endgame and Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode 3, The Battle of Winterfell. So those two things happen this weekend, and I will talk about them briefly here uh, without hopefully spoiling anything, and I will talk with, about them more at length in a bonus episode to come later uh, today. So stay tuned. But okay, so Avengers, Endgame. I loved it. I thought it was historic. I thought it was heroic. I thought it was mythic. Um, and I've always contended that comics are like modern myths. So like the Greek myths and the Roman myths that we learned about in history, uh, my opinion is that comic books are the modern version of those kinds of myths. So, uh, and these film adaptations are, you know, 
the evolution of those comic book stories. And this movie in particular is the culmination of 10 years of films, 22 films leading up to it. Uh, so it was, it's a big movie and I loved it. Uh, I cried three times, legit cried. Uh, and I don't think it's too spoilery to say that there's a lot of different Marvel characters in this film, particularly a lot of female characters. And there's a particular scene that focuses on the, I'll say, quote unquote, girl powerness of the Marvel superheroes. And it made me scream out loud. Like I screamed out loud and I scared the woman next to me. She like looked at me and I was like, sorry, but uh, it was such a great moment to see all of those women together. I loved it. I loved it. Uh, if you're a Marvel fan, you're probably going to love it too. The final battle was just everything. Uh, you know, like the big finale, fourth act, final act scene was big, over the top. Great. Uh, it almost killed me with, you know, I've got all these feelings and I was like, oh my God, I was like crying of happiness and excitement and suspense. Um, and I thought that, uh, I was like, oh, okay, good, good, good. And then the credits rolled and all of the amazing actors who we have followed on this Marvel journey for the past 10 years, you know, their names scrolled up and it was uh, just such a great uh, finale to a decade of filmmaking. So I loved it. I loved it. I honestly didn't know how the movie was going to turn out. I didn't read any spoilers. I didn't read any theories. So the main story was a complete surprise to me. And I was very pleasantly surprised. And I talk about it at length in the bonus podcast that I'll release later today. So tune in for that. Um, so I saw Avengers on Thursday night. And then I went back again and saw it again on Saturday in 3D. And then I went back again on Sunday and watched it in IMAX. So I saw it three times this week, loved it every time. IMAX was my favorite uh, way to see it. So uh, I recommend it. You should go see it. Um, let me talk about some box office records because since the movie came out, it's broken a whole lot of records. It is the largest opening weekend box office in the U.S. at $350 million. It was the first film to break $300 million on opening weekend. It was the fastest film to break $100 million which uh, it achieved in its first 17 hours. It was the highest Thursday previews at 60 million. It had the biggest one-day box office total at 156.7 million on Friday. It had the biggest all-time Saturday box office total at 109 million. It had the biggest all-time Saturday box office total at 84.3 million. It had the most theaters showing the film at 4,662 theaters, and it was the largest IMAX opening for a Marvel film with 26.5 million. Globally, it was the largest weekend box office at 1.209 billion, with a B, billion. It is the only film to exceed 1 billion at the box office on opening weekend. It is the fastest film to 1 billion, which it has achieved in its first five days. The largest IMAX opening weekend ever, globally at 91.5 million. The largest 3D opening weekend at 540 million. Uh, and the previous record for the fastest film to 1 billion was Avengers Infinity War, which it reached in 11 days. So those are all the records that uh, Avengers broke. So maybe you did see it, and maybe I could have been a little spoiler in this podcast, but never mind. Stay tuned. Next podcast coming. We'll talk more about Avengers Endgame. On Friday, Taylor Swift released a new song. She released it at midnight Friday. The song is called Me, and it's a duet 
that she did with that she does with Brandon Yuri from Panic at the Disco. And I mean, what can I say about the song other than it is such a Taylor Swift song? It is very quintessentially Taylor Swift. It is poppy, it is upbeat. The music video is pastel and candy colored and you probably get diabetes from watching it. Um, the chorus is so Taylor with her me he 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 hoo 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 hoo. I mean, like the first time I heard it, I was like, oh, it's cute. And I heard it again, and I was like, oh my god. And then from that, it's been in my head all week. So uh, uh, I like the song. Uh, it's it's a it's a it's nice to have her back. Um, my friend Casey. Casey Courageous on Instagram. He is a huge Taylor Swift fan and he was living for the release of this song. He posted a cute little dance party video on his Instagram story. And uh, I think I'm going to have uh, Casey on my on my podcast coming up. So when Taylor Swift releases her whole album, maybe Casey and I will uh, do a podcast together where we talk about uh, the the, the song track by track the album track by track because he does that really really well and he's the biggest taylor swift stand that i know so i guess i'm putting it out into the universe now to hold myself accountable so casey get ready i'm gonna have you on my podcast and we're gonna talk about taylor swift's new record when it comes out uh more taylor swift news from friday she adopted a new kitten a boy kitten that she named benjamin button so i know swifties out there are probably super excited that there's a new member of the family uh he will be a little brother to her famed other cats meredith and olivia so now she has three cats taylor swift is a cat lady shocker shocker but they're cute and yeah we we stand for taylor swift's kitties on Friday, Marina, formerly Marina and the Diamonds, released her new album, Love and Fear, and it is a double album comprised of happy songs and less happy songs. Uh, and I love it. I love it. It's it's uh, an album that I've listened to already like four or five times in full. Uh, there are just so many great songs. It's very much Marina. Uh, there's a little bit of growth, but it's her. And if you love Marina, Marina and the Diamonds, this is an album I think you're going to love. So, uh, yeah, Marina, new album out. The Cranberries released a new album titled In the End, which they recorded in the year leading up to lead singer Dolores O'Riordan's, uh, untimely death. Um, and the album was supposed to come out and then, you know, they were, they were going to finish it and then she passed away and it was wasn't certain if they were going to release the album or not uh, but they decided to as a as in honor of Dolores I think and it's really 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 good it's very much a Cranberries album uh, Dolores sounds great it's kind of bittersweet to hear her um, but it's great to see that this project her final project come to light so if you're a cranberries fan if you're a dolores or reardon fan you're going to want to pick up in the end because it's uh it's pretty damn good kylie minogue updated her website with a countdown clock uh and not much other information uh kylie is counting down to something and it's going to hit zero on may 1st so after this podcast is published we will know so next week i'll probably have some information of what kylie is counting down to but her socials have been using photos from her step back in time music video uh, from her third album rhythm of love uh so does that mean 
she's going to step back in time. Does that mean maybe a Greatest Hits album is coming, a new Greatest Hits album? Maybe. I prefer would prefer a new album, but Kylie's put out a lot of good music since her last Greatest Hits record, and when you're a legend like she is and you've been around as long as she is, you need more than one Greatest Hits album. So that might be on the way. We'll find out next week. Um, Netflix announced that the second season of the German series Dark is coming out in June. And if you watched Dark uh, season one, you're going to want to watch season two. It is fantastic. It's one of those really great, uh, you know, it's, it's in German. So I recommend you have to watch it with subtitles. Do not watch it dubbed, people. Please never watch anything dubbed. Read the subtitles. Listen to the original language as it's meant to be spoken. Uh, Dark is this, I, I don't even know how to describe it. Like there's back and forth through time and there's interconnected characters through time and there's, you know, nefarious things happening with kids and then they grow up and then they go back and it's, it's complicated, but really, really good. So Dark season two, I'm super excited that that is coming out in June. But on Friday, season two of the new Netflix animated series, She-Ra came out. And if you are a She-Ra fan or a He-Man fan and you loved season one, you're probably going to love season two. I really enjoyed the first season of She-Ra. Uh, even though, you know, I don't really love the animation style and because, and because I'm a child of the 80s and I grew up with the original She-Ra, that kind of sets the benchmark for what the character is to me and what it should look like to me. But um, I am happy that this new series is out, and I'm very happy that season two is out. Uh, the nods to the original series are much appreciated, but the updates and changes are very, very welcome. There's a lot of diversity and body posit positivity in this new cartoon, which reminds me of the diversity and body positivity in the gem cart uh, comic books that I'm a big fan of. So. This is programming for kids that I wholeheartedly endorse. Um, kids of uh, characters of dif different ethnicities and colors uh, interacting in a superhero, cartoony way. Representation matters, and I am all for it. Uh, I will say, because uh, I watched a few of the episodes of season two, one of the characters comes out as, as gay in the fifth episode. So that's pretty damn amazing. The original never had anything like that. So She-Ra season two, go watch it. Love it. Yeah, I endorse it. Um, do, 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 uh, oh, Shannon Doherty finally reveal or uh, finally announced that she is signing on to the 90210 reboot that is coming out. If you may recall, Sarah and I talked a little bit about this reboot uh, in an earlier podcast, the day that we went to go visit the uh, houses from 90210. And at that point, Shannon Doherty had not signed on to the reboot. But on Friday, it was announced that she has decided to join. Uh, and to give a little clarity about what the reboot is going to be about because we didn't really cover that properly in our last podcast so that the way that this re reboot is going to work out is the actors will play themselves and the show will revolve around the actors playing themselves trying to plan a reboot so it's kind of like this mockumentary inside of a 
drama or something. Maybe it's going to be funny. I don't know. It sounds weird to me, but anything Beverly Hills 90210 is welcomed by a lot of people, especially my best friend Sarah. Um, and anything that Shannon Doherty does, I'm fully on board with. So I am super, super happy that Shannon Doherty has signed on for the reboot. Uh, and finally for Friday, uh, Riverdale aired uh, its last episode, which features Luke Perry. So as you may recall, Luke Perry passed away earlier this year and kind of died suddenly. So the last episode that he filmed aired this week on Friday, and it was a short and very bittersweet final scene, but Riverdale finally said goodbye to um, Luke Perry, and it's it's sad. It's sad. I suspect that the reboot is going to pay homage to Luke, and that's probably why Shannon was happy to come back, so we're not done saying goodbye to Luke Perry, and uh, we shouldn't because he is he is missed. On Saturday, uh, not a lot of entertainment news that I noted, but for me personally, uh, some friends and uh, I went to a concert, a freestyle concert, the 50th, a 15th annual freestyle concert here in LA, uh, which was headlined by Vanilla Ice, who isn't really freestyle, but everybody else was. Uh, my friend and co-worker Christina is friends with Vanilla Ice. She worked with him on his previous, on his show, on his uh, DIY home improvement show. So they're good friends. So she got us tickets and we went to the Freestyle Festival. And it was pretty damn amazing. I mean, the lineup had Shannon, Sugar Hill Gang, JJ Fad, Slick Rick, Cynthia, Sweet Sensation, Color Me Bad, Lisa Lisa... Jody Watley, Trainer, <laughs> Cece Peniston, uh, uh, who else? Who else? Um, Taylor Dane, and Vanilla Ice was the big uh, show ender. Uh, and let me tell you, this show was amazing. It was packed to the gills. People were having a blast. It was the long ass show too. It started at seven. It went well past twelve thirty crazy. Some people couldn't hang, but we hung all the way till the end. Uh, Christina also very graciously got us backstage to see Vanilla Ice, but it was already like one o'clock and we made it through the concert, but we were tired AF. So we didn't hang out long enough to say hey to Vanilla Ice, but we appreciate that he and his people invited us backstage to say hello. And uh, that was a, a good ass night. On Sunday... It was reported that the Brady Bunch actors were upset that there's this whole thing going around online where an episode of the Brady Bunch is being used by anti-vaccination people, you know, to to bolster their claims that their children don't have to be vaccinated, which is crazy, crazy that we're talking about the Brady Bunch in this context. But, you know, ever, ever in the zeitgeist, uh, the Brady Bunch is still relevant, Um you know, anti-vaxxers like to downplay the seriousness of measles and they claim that measles aren't really serious. And there's an episode of the Brady Bunch where all the Brady kids get the measles and they joke about it and they all get better. And it's like, see, they didn't have to be vaccinated, which is complete idiocy. Um, Maureen McCormick, who played uh, Marsha Brady and Lloyd Schwartz, the son of the creator of the show, The Brady Bunch, both have gone on the record publicly to say, no, do not use the Brady Bunch for your ridiculous claims, you anti-vaxxers. Uh, 
Um, you know, it was it was a TV sitcom in it, it wasn't serious. You know, the show was, it was a different time and certainly no serious show would ever make light of something as, as dangerous as measles and children. So to look back and say, you know, the Brady Bunch did it. It's okay. Is kind of silly. And, uh, Maureen McCormick and Sherwood Schwartz would prefer you not to use the Brady Bunch in that way. And I would have to agree. Um, on Sunday, it was reported that Megan Fox has withdrawn her petition for divorce from Brian Austin Green. Hallelujah. This couple, uh, broke up a while ago and then they kind of reconciled and it looks like the the reconciliation has stuck. She filed for divorce in 2015 after the couple got married in 2010, after the couple had been together for 11 years. So they were together for 11 years got married in 2010, and then she filed for divorce in 2015. But then up in 2016, she was pregnant with his child. So apparently the divorce was off. And then uh, on Sunday, it was reported that it's officially off. So they're no longer getting divorced. They're happily still together. Good for them. Uh, And the biggest news for Sunday was the airing of Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode 3, The Battle of Winterfell. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to talk about it a little bit, but I'm not going to spoil it. I will talk at greater length in a bonus podcast that's coming out later today. So listen to the other podcast. I'll give you, we'll talk more about, I'll talk more about uh, this particular episode. But I will say in as with as little spoilers as possible. I loved the episode. Um, the music was so intense, you know, for the first few, you know, scenes, it was this ticking, 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 which added to the suspense. And then it became, um, like piano, which made it like creepy. And then it got orchestral, which meant the, the action was swelling to these big crescendos. I loved it. Um, there was a particular death that really got me and I mentioned it in my other podcast. I'm going to stop talking about the other podcast, but just tune in. Um, so I, the biggest shocker for me was how few people died. I think everyone expected, oh my God, everyone's going to die. And some people died, but not a lot. Uh, but I thought it was handled really, really well. And that ending was, oh my God, I screamed. I wailed. I was like, oh my God, it was, it was great. Uh, so yes. Um, I held my breath for so long. I don't know how I didn't suffocate watching that episode. But if you watched it, you probably understand what I'm talking about. Uh, Next week's going to be a pretty good episode, too. So Game of Thrones is killing the game in their final season. The episode set a new record of 17.8 million viewers. And the previous record was set uh, earlier this uh, month when season eight premiered and, uh, 17.4 million. So 17.4 million viewers on, uh, the season eight premiere was the previous record and the battle of Winterfell just broke that record with 17.8. On Monday, on Monday, we learned the very sad news that, uh, director John Singleton had, uh, passed away. He suffered a stroke back in, on April 17th. And he ended up on life support shortly thereafter. And it felt very much like uh, when we learned that Luke Perry had suddenly suffered a stroke and we didn't know if he was going to live or die. And just like Luke Perry, he succumbed to his illness, his 
his stroke. Um, he was only 51 years old. Uh, John Singleton is the first African-American and the youngest person ever to be nominated for a Best Director Oscar uh, back in 1992 for his film Boys in the Hood. Um, And I am a big John Singleton fan of the movie Higher Learning, which uh, came out in the mid-90s, particularly because that soundtrack featured um, new songs at the time from Tori Amos and Liz Fair two of my favorite artists and this was very early in their careers so it was great to have them featured on such a big movie soundtrack and uh so that soundtrack is amazing that uh that film is amazing john singleton was amazing and uh he will be missed let's see it was also announced on on monday or maybe not announced but word came out that the planned 50th anniversary Woodstock concert that was planned for later this year has been canceled or has it been canceled or something. Uh, it's been a mess since, since it's rollout. It had a botched ticket sale rollout and, you know, uh, it was just messy from the beginning. Different people were saying different things on Monday, the financier, the, the people who put up the money, they're like, it's canceled. It's not happening. Uh, whereas the organizers, release a statement saying it's not canceled and we're going to sue you for saying that it's canceled. Um, so there's this back and forth about whether or not the Woodstock, uh, concert is canceled. I'm going to go with shit's canceled. Um, and honestly, it didn't really feel like it was going to be a Woodstock anything, you know, it kind of felt like it's just going to be just another festival. You know, it had the lineup had, uh, Jay-Z, Miley Cyrus, the killers, Santana, dead and company. That's kind of Woodstock. But like Halsey, uh, India Ari, like it, it's some cool artists, which would make for a really great festival, but not very Woodstocky. So, not happening. So, if you're planning on going to Woodstock, the fifth anniversary, forget about it. And to be honest, it really wasn't Woodstock anyway. Like the venue that it was going to be at was like a hundred miles, over a hundred miles away from the original Woodstock was. So, I mean, it was only going to be Woodstock in name only. I don't know. Maybe it's for the best. Uh, so looks like no 50th anniversary of Woodstock is coming. Uh, and finally, uh, it was announced on Monday that the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue for the first time ever will feature a model wearing a hijab and, uh, a burkini. So covered from head to toe, this beautiful model will be featured in the the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue for the very first time. She's a Somali-American model named Halima Aden. And, uh, yeah. So, you know, for, I think it's great. I think it's great. I think, uh, the swimsuit issue doesn't need to exist, honestly, but it does. And it's seen by a lot of people. And I think it's pretty freaking cool that a model wearing a hijab and a burkini is featured in this year's issue. So this year's issue, the swimsuit, uh, the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue out this month will hit newsstand soon. Check it out. I can't wait to see it. Uh, on Tuesday, on Tuesday, the trailer for a live action Sonic the Hedgehog movie was released. I, I don't know that the world was really in need of a Sonic the Hedgehog movie, a live action one, but we're getting one. And I mean, I guess it makes sense. 
Um, live action is big. The Lion King live action, well, it's not really live because there aren't really going to be animals in it. It's still computer generated, but you know what I mean. Uh, that's coming out this year. There's a live action, quote unquote, live action Pikachu uh, Pokemon movie coming out. Uh, so if Pokemon can have a movie like this, so can Sonic the Hedgehog. Uh, the The cool thing, I think, about this movie is that it will star Jim Carrey as the villainous Dr. Robotnik. And he looks pretty cool in the trailer with the mustache and the outfit and the glasses. So I don't know. Maybe it won't be a mess. I, you know, I, I, I like Sonic the Hedgehog. I loved playing it on my Sega and my little Sega handheld whatever that Game Boy thing was called. It wasn't called Game Boy. Game Gear. My Sega Game Gear. I loved playing Sonic. I think I have a Sonic app on my phone too, by the way. Um, so I'm a Sonic the Hedgehog fan. Maybe I'll see the movie. Maybe I won't, but it's coming. So stay tuned for that. Um, Prince Jackson, Michael Jackson's oldest child, uh, shared a photo on his Instagram, which featured uh, the youngest... Jackson, uh, Michael Jackson's youngest child, Blanket, uh, who is now 17 years old. Michael Jackson's youngest child is 17 years old, people. Can you believe it? Um, and he goes by Blanket, or at least that's how we think he goes by. Um, his first son's name is Prince Michael Jackson, and his second son is Prince Michael Jackson too, but they call him Blanket maybe to differentiate him from his older brother. Um, I guess Michael Jackson once said that he loves wearing blankets on his head and that's why they call him Blanket or something ridiculous like that. Anyways, uh, Blanket is 17 and Prince uh, Jackson is sharing this cool photo on his Instagram. If you want to go check it out, I believe it's at Prince Jackson. Uh, They all went to go see Avengers and um, you can see what they look like now. Paris, Paris Michael Jackson... Uh, or is it Paris Michael Catherine Jackson? Whatever. Michael Jackson's second child, uh, his only daughter, is not in the in the photo. She's like on tour or something. So yeah, the Jackson, the Jackson kids. If you want to check them out, they are on Prince's Instagram now. Uh, the actor Nora uh, Noah Centineo announced on Jimmy Fallon on Tuesday night that he's going to play. He-Man in the upcoming live-action Masters of the Universe film. So, based on the cartoon from the 80s, which previously was made into a live-action film starring Dolph Lundgren as He-Man, uh, a new movie is coming, and it will star Nora, Noah <laughs> Noah Centineo as He-Man. I am a huge He-Man fan, a huge fan of Masters of the Universe, Uh, So I'm excited for this movie. You know, we'll see if this kid can can really portray He-Man as he should. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to go in with uh, uh, with high optimism that this live action version of He-Man is going to be great. So I'm looking forward to that. And finally, the news or or one more thing. Sorry, there's a a couple more things I'm going to talk about. it was also announced on Tuesday that Paula Abdul will headline the LA Pride Festival this June 7th in West Hollywood, California. 
she will perform a free one-hour concert, which I can pretty much guarantee you I'm going to be at because I love Paula Abdul. Paula Abdul was the first concert I saw in a big venue, like a big stadium. And uh, she was like my everything in the early 90s. She was like my Britney back then. I preferred her over Madonna and Janet Jackson. So I've been a big Paula Abdul fan for a very long time. And I've yet to see her live in concert now that she's doing shows again. She did a tour last year where she came close to L.A., you know, not didn't come to L.A., but she was like hours away. And I due to work, I just couldn't make it down to see her. And she's toured with New Kids on the Block. uh, And I, you know, couldn't see those shows either. So I'm finally going to get to see Paula Abdul in concert for the first time since 1992. Wow. It's been a long ass time since I've seen Paula in concert. So I'm excited. She's headlining the LA Pride Festival in West Hollywood this June. So if you are here in LA or you want to come out for the Pride Festival, you'll probably see me at the Paula Abdul show. Uh, And one last bit of 90210 news, Gabrielle Carteris updated her Instagram with a photo of all of the returning cast members of the new Beverly Hills 90210 reboot titled BH90210. They're all together, I believe, at a table read. So it's one of the first uh, pictures of the the group all together uh, working on the forthcoming reboot that's to come. So head on over to Gabrielle Carateris's Instagram to see the photo of everyone all together and get your first look at what the, re- the reboot will will look like. Uh, got a shout out BFF Sarah and the biggest 90210 fan that I know for giving me the heads up. She texted me shortly before I started recording this to let me know, hey, check out Gabrielle's Instagram. So there you go, people. Go check it out. And the final thing that I want to talk about uh, today uh, for this podcast is I kind of want to update an earlier topic I talked about when I talked about Star Trek Discovery a couple of podcasts ago. Um, I didn't really talk about it at length. You know, again, I didn't really want to spoil it for people who who hadn't seen it, but it's been out for a while. And so I'm not really going to spoil it. Okay, maybe I will. Um, The show, the the season ended with the crew and the ship Discovery uh, flying 930 years into the future. And I really, I didn't really think about it at the time, but they're going to be so far in the future, they're going to be beyond the Star Trek that we know. So beyond the Picard Enterprise, beyond Star Trek Voyager, this would be a real new Star Trek series that will be completely um, or it can be completely unattached to any previous Star Treks. So because it started out as a prequel for the first two seasons, it kind of was hamstringed by it had to stay true to canon and it, they couldn't be too crazy, even though they still were, but they could be too crazy outside of you know the Star Trek that we know because all of the stuff that's happening on the show happened before the Star Treks that we've already seen. But now it looks like season three, it's going to be an all new show set way in the future that will offer a whole bunch of new possibilities. Um, 
who, you know, who even knows? Will the Federation even exist 930 years into the future? Um, you know, because it's so far in the future, I guess it does run the risk of feeling kind of untrek. You know, they can be all crazy with the technology and the special effects, which, which is great. I mean, I kind of like that about Discovery, even though it was supposed to be a, um, a prequel. I kind of forgave how nice and clean and updated it looked because it just looked so damn good. So now all of that special effects, all of those special effects can work to the show's advantage because it's set in the future and they really have carte blanche. So will it feel track? Hopefully, you know, I- I'm sure there'll be some callbacks to... Uh, earlier familiar Trek things, planets maybe, characters, you know, Guinan maybe, or Q, maybe they will appear in in the third season of Star Trek Discovery since they are characters who, you know, are either eternal or live forever or omnipotent. So we'll see. There's a lot of really uh, big possibilities that we can look forward to. Um, and since I'm talking about Star Trek, uh, I, I failed to mention before that there's a new Picard series coming out. So there's a new series coming out that will, uh, star Jean-Luc Picard. And that show has already started production and it's supposed to be out this year. It's going to take place, uh, in the time frame beyond Enterprise, or I'm sorry, The Next Generation, beyond Star Trek Voyager, beyond the events that took place in the 2002 movie Star Trek Nemesis, which was the last Star Trek movie that featured the crew of the Next Generation Enterprise. So, yeah, I love it. Uh, Captain Picard is one of my favorite Star Trek captains up there with Cap. Captain Catherine Janeway from Voyager. So uh, I'm excited for this series. Uh, Let's see, I jotted down a little bit of notes about what we can expect from Picard or whatever they're going to call it. I don't know if it's going to be called Picard, but it's being referred to as the Picard series. Um, It's going to have an odd assortment of co-stars, including a teenage... What does this say? Hang on. Sorry. Uh, a teenage Romulan boy, which makes sense because uh, the events that took place in Star Trek Nemesis resulted in the destruction of the Romulan home planet. So maybe this kid will be a refugee who tags along with Picard. Uh, there's also going to be uh, a pair of shady pilots, whatever that means, and a neurotic positronic brain expert kind of like the guy who created Data. Uh, I don't think it's going to be Dr. Noonien Sung, but I think it sounds like the character will be based on that kind of uh, character. Um, The uh, pilot episode is going to be directed by Star Trek Discovery director Hanel Culpepper, uh, which means she will be the first woman ever to direct a pilot episode of any Star Trek series. So that's really cool. Um, Yeah, so that's what I got. That's what I got for this week. Um, A lot of stuff happened, and uh, a lot of really big pop culture things happened, and it's, it's just... 
it's really fun to be focused on this stuff again. I mean, I'm busy and I'm working and I'm trying to live a social life and I'm trying to have fun. And this stuff is really fun for me. Um, I, I really think I found a way to scratch that itch that I've had. You know, like I love pop culture and I love talking about entertainment news and I love giving my two cents. And I really appreciate that people out there care. You know, I, I continue to get great feedback and it's nice to hear from you guys. So thank you for listening. Uh, I realize that I've been doing this for a month now. This is the fourth episode, the fourth week. So a month of Pink is the New Podcast, and I continue to love what I do. I hope that you continue to enjoy it. You know, I mentioned before, I'm, I have some things that I, I kind of want to work out and introduce so I've done some more research on that. It might be a little slow going, but believe me, I'm anxious to to do these things that I'm hoping to do. So that's to come. Um, yeah, that was the week. Is there anything that you think that I missed? Is there anything that you want to talk to me about? Hit me up on my socials. Um, my personal socials are at Trent Venegas on all of the platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I also created an Instagram handle for Pink is the New Podcast. So you can find Pink is the New Podcast on Instagram and on Facebook. And you can find Pink is the New Podcast on Twitter. But it is called Pink is the New Pod because Pink is the New Podcast is too long for Twitter. Uh, So yeah, you guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for your feedback. Hit me back. Let's talk about this week. Um, One month down... Let's keep it going. Uh, Stay tuned. There's a bonus podcast coming. I haven't talked about it enough. Let me mention it one more time. One more podcast coming out uh, to follow this one. I'm going to talk about Avengers Endgame. I'm going to talk about Game of Thrones, the Battle of Winterfell. And I want you all to have the best week ever. I will talk to you next week. Bye.